Morning, church. Don't know about you, but I'm personally feeling the hour that we missed out on this morning, but it's okay. Lord, help us, give us strength. Scripture reading for today is from Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, as well as from Acts chapter 20, verse 24, and 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, there's a correction there, from 19 through 23. This is God's word. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. But I do not account my life of any value or as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 through 23. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win the Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside of the law, I became as one outside of the law, not being outside of the law of God, but being under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside of the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. And I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. And I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them and its blessings. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Andrew. I'm not sure if you noticed, but every Sunday, Pastor Andrew, he tries to memorize the passages and recite them, which is quite impressive. Uh, it's a really noble goal to have. I mean, it's one thing to memorize scripture, right? Another thing to actually memorize and recite it in front of people. Uh, it's not an easy, easy task at all, so appreciate the effort, blessed by it. Well, uh, good morning, everybody. It's good to see all of you. Uh, welcome to our 10 o'clock service. <laughs> it's really 10, right? Don't let the clock deceive you. And it was kind of rough at, during our 8 o'clock service. Everyone was a little bit tired, including myself, but uh, may the Lord give us energy uh, to worship him well this morning. Uh, we are concluding our series in our vision, mission, and core values, and uh, we'll be covering our last core value, which is uh, missional. We want to be a missional church. Uh, but before I go into the, uh, jump into the content here, let me have us recite our vision, mission statements together, and then we'll quickly just kind of review our core values. Do we have a slide for that? All right. Okay, so all in one voice, if you can. If you're not a member, don't bother, just observe. If you're members, it's for members only, right? Uh, be, be committed to this, this vision statement we uh, constructed, okay? Uh, all together, our vision is to see people from all nations love and serve Christ through a life transformed by the gospel. Next slide. One voice. Our mission is to raise up mature and equipped disciples who are committed to faithfully building their lives upon the foundation of Christ. And uh, core values, we covered uh, six of them so far. We have seven in total. I know it's a lot, but I had to do seven because it is a perfect number, right? So uh, we did Christ-centered, we did confessional, we covered kingdom first. 
Disciple making, community fostering, intergenerational was last Sunday, and today we missional. Okay, if you missed any of them, uh, it's all on our YouTube page, so I encourage you to give that a listen when you have time, or make the time to do so, okay? All right. Energy. <laughs> now, the word missional uh, is a word that all of you probably have heard at least once uh, during your Christian journey. But I don't want you to be naive about the usage of this word. Like, if you were born in the 90s uh, and beyond, or beyond, uh, you may have thought that this word was always in existence. But the truth is that the word missional was made popular during the 90s by a few influential Christian leaders, such as Tim Keller, Alan Hirsch, Dan Kimball, and Erin McManus, to name a few. Prior to that decade, uh, it wasn't used at all, actually. And a big reason for that was because prior to the 90s, the American culture was still predominantly Christian. And so the church was able to get by with a more passive, come-and-see approach to doing missions and evangelism. For example, churches would send out missionaries from among them uh, to do the work of missions. And Christians here at home never really viewed themselves as local missionaries sent into their neighborhoods or schools or workplaces, right? They didn't feel really the need to because most people they'd meet at work or at school didn't have much of a problem with the Christian faith. I mean, the barrier to entry to the church was rather low. Like, it wasn't hard for Christians to actually invite their friends or coworkers to church because, you know, not many people was actually, were actually offended by the church's teachings regarding marriage, you know, gender, sexuality, and such. But today's different, right? There was a, there's been a major culture shift which actually began starting from the 60s leading up to this point. You know, the, uh, the birth of contraception actually was really a key moment where it fueled this sexual revolution that we've been observing for many decades now, and that completely changed the fabric of our society. And this has been working its way through the 90s and beyond. And, and so as the American culture became more ignorant of the Bible as it's been rebelling against the Lord and, and uh, his word, uh, the Bible was, has no longer taught in school at some point. And so an entire generation grew up basically being biblically illiterate. And that produced a culture that became much more hostile toward the Christian faith. And this is what we're actually experiencing in our day. As a result, the old come and see approach to missions and evangelism was no longer effective. And so a new approach was needed. And because of that urgent need, the word missional was born. Right? A, new, a new sort of paradigm had to be uh, thought of and worked with. And that inspired American Christians to think differently about you know, our local missions and evangelism efforts. And I would argue more biblically about how that ought to play out in our daily lives. So what I'm going to do this morning is explain some of the common elements of what it means for us to be missional, right? elements that virtually all Christians would agree upon. And to be clear, this missional movement was a larger movement that involved a lot of different kind of people from various theological traditions. So I'm not going to deal with, you know, the strain that kind of became liberal 
There, there, there has been a liberal strain theologically. I'm not going to go that route today. I'm just going to talk about things that virtually all Christians agree upon, right? And uh, I want us to understand what we mean, brothers and sisters, when we say that we want to be a missional church, okay? So there are three points I want to elaborate on today. Number one, let's start from the most fundamental. Right? To be missional means that we fully embrace the great commission which we receive from God, and that is our ultimate mission, okay? Uh, the first passage that was read, if you didn't know, what is, is considered the great commission given by our Lord Jesus himself, is go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you is the great commission. It is our ultimate mission. It's a very large mission since it involves all nations and it would be an impossible mission to accomplish if it were solely up to us. But thankfully, it's made possible because of this wonderful promise attached to it which says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's a wonderful promise. This means that not only does God give us this mission, but he's also the one empowering us to fulfill this mission. And knowing this truth is not only encouraging, but it helps prevent us from experiencing what some have called mission drift. Have you heard that expression before, mission drift? Mission drift is a common phenomenon. It's when you start out very well, like most of us do, when we start something out, we start very well, don't we, with much energy? It's a new year that start off well, and we do usually, but slowly we begin to drift away from the original mission. That is mission drift. It can happen to any of us, and it can happen also to any church and any organization. Brothers and sisters, maybe you've personally been experiencing mission drift, and you've been confused about your own purpose and identity in life. And if that's the case, let me strongly urge you this morning to realign yourself with God's great commission. Have you lost your purpose? Have you lost your mission? Know that God has given you a purpose and mission. Realign yourself to it. And maybe you've had a very tough week. Maybe it's been a brutal year for you so far. Well, if that's the case, there's a reason, there's great reason to be encouraged this morning because God wants you to know that he has given you an eternal purpose and identity that is meant to enable you to endure through the most difficult seasons of life with much hope and peace and knowing that he will always be with you. That is what the Great Commission tells us. Now, as a ministry, I want you to know some of the ways in which we are committed as a church to stay on mission and not experience mission drift, which is so common let me, let me share a few things that we're trying to do, we've been trying to do over the years. Okay, number one, we are committed, and we've always been committed to doing this since uh, 2009, maybe even before that, but we're committed to releasing at least 10% of our overall budget to be spent toward various missions and mercy ministries. And in reality, actually, I didn't really uh, look too carefully in the numbers of late, but I think at one point we, we were giving like 
15% and, and, and even more uh, toward missions and, and mercy efforts. It's like our, uh, our tithe and, and going even beyond our tithe at times as a church. You know, I'm not sure if you ever thought of your tithe that way, but, you know, just like your own personal tithe is meant to help you stay on mission by aligning your own personal purpose and priorities with God's, our ministry tithe is meant to serve that same very purpose. It's meant to help us stay on mission. It reminds us of what God's priorities are, you see. That's one of the purposes of the tithe. That's one thing we've been trying to do. It's been very helpful. And as we've been able to support a growing number of missionaries and a variety of different ministries over the years, I, I, I personally have been struggling to kind of keep track. And I know it's been hard for you to receive all these emails throughout the week and hard to read all the newsletters that have been coming out. Early on, it was only four or five people that we supported. So it was relatively easy. But now it's like over a dozen. And even for me, I have a hard time keeping track. I understand that. And so uh, starting from... The month of April, so next month, uh, your leaders decided that we would be more intentional about updating the congregation and what is going on in the lives of our missionaries and what, what are some of the ministries that we support intentionally. And so uh, the second Sunday of each month, starting from April, right, there will be someone up here, uh, either from the missions committee team or maybe one of your staff members will come up and, and give you some things to uh, consider and to pray over uh, for each missionary. Okay, so that's a plan that we're hoping to, uh, hoping that would help all of us stay on mission as we're reminded of what, again, what God's priorities are. I think that would really be uh, beneficial for our church. Thirdly, and this is a harder one, I think, because it's been a great struggle, I think, for us over the years. I want you to start seriously praying with me and praying with our leaders about the possibility of sending out long-term missionaries on the field, right? Uh, not, not just here, you know, in the U.S., but even beyond. Uh, we've always had that dream, but the execution was always difficult, you know. Um, I think it's hard. You know, it's easy to, you know, uh, have missionaries stop by and, and have them give their update and and they, you know, offer them financial support. But it's really difficult for us to have the homegrown missionaries, right? Members who have been part of the church who receive a calling to go out long, as long-term missionaries. But that is something I'd like for us to really pray about, right? Maybe, you know, God will one day call you to be a long-term missionary somewhere in a difficult place where the gospel has not yet been shared or proclaimed. And related to that, my personal hope has always been that we will become a church-planting church. You know, uh, I'm not sure if you realize this, but people who understand the value of church planting, uh, they know that the best way to reach people is through the means of church planting. Because as, as you know, I'm getting old. You know, I'm 51. I'm going to turn 52 soon. Is that right? I'm going to turn 51 soon. Okay, see, I'm getting old. I can't even keep track of my own, own age. And don't ask me how old my kids are, okay? I forget. Um, I, I, I lose track of what's going on. And, uh, you know, I, as I get older, I, I, I lose touch with the younger generation, you know? I, I, I used to...
get invited a lot to college campuses to speak. But nowadays, it's like, you know, if I get an invite a given year, I'm lucky. You know, <laughs> you know they, see, they still, they still want to hear from an old guy. It, you know, and so what happens as churches get older, and you guys are getting older too, by the way, okay? As we, as we all age, there's, there's a challenge in, in reaching the younger generation. That's why there's a, a great need for churches to plant, be church-planting churches. That is the best way to reach a new demographic. And that, that is one hope I have. That that's something that I think uh, we should all be praying for, okay? Uh, wow, I lost my place. This is all okay. Uh, so... Yeah, that, that's still point one, right? Okay, so, so as we embrace the Great Commission, uh, I'd like for us to consider what it would take for us to stay on mission while avoiding mission drift. Okay, I, I shared a few things, but maybe there's some other things we ought to be considering as well. Um, number two, to be missional means that we're to adopt a missionary posture toward our culture. Why? Because again, we can no longer view ourselves as existing in a Christian culture that's familiar with or friendly to our faith. That culture is long gone. Instead, we're to view our lives as existing within a culture that is unfamiliar and often antagonistic to our faith, right? In the past, as I've been saying, when people evangelized to their neighbors, people adopted a more come and see approach rather than, and I'm going to go where you are, I'm going to pursue where you are and share the gospel with you. But we're living in a much different era now where there is such a lack of understanding that people don't know what the gospel is anymore. And, and the Bible, the teaching, the truth of God's word, it seems so foreign to them. You know, we, we used to think, in other words, that the mission field was only over there, you know, in Batam, Indonesia, or only in like, Amman, Jordan, where we used to send a team, or a colville nation over there, uh, you know, reaching out to the native Indians and on the reservation. And yes, there's work that still needs to be done in those places, but we need to also be fully convinced that our mission field, brothers and sisters, our mission field, those who are here, is where we all live, work, and play. That is our mission field. So I think there's a need for this paradigm shift in all of us. You know, I think it would be really healthy if we began to view ourselves gathered here this morning as the largest mission team that's been ever assembled by our church. Right? It's like we gather each week to receive the needed encouragement and strength and training so that we can go out into the mission field where we live, work, and play in order to fulfill God's great commission. If you never thought of your life that way, maybe it's time to kind of shift your thinking. And the great thing about it is that if you, if you look at it that way, our, our mission trip, it doesn't have to last only two weeks or three weeks, right? It can last for many years as we plant ourselves here. And if we viewed ourselves in that way, I bet our posture toward the culture and the people we engage with each week would drastically change. Like if we adopted a missional posture in such a way, we would begin to see ourselves as people deliberately sent by God into this world on a week-to-week -week basis. Like as you receive the benediction, right, you will feel like, I, I am receiving this grace so that I can go out into the world and engage with 
the world in meaningful ways, to be ambassadors for Christ, salt and light in a dying world. It will see the church not only as a place to go on Sundays, but as something that we are, right? That is who we are. We are the church, whether we're here gathered or scattered, you see. I love the image of God being the ultimate cosmic salt shaker. He is shaking us out. He is, he is having us be spread out into the world as his salt crystals to preserve his truth. You know, I've been on several short-term mission trips in my lifetime, and I thought about well, what happened to me, like usually the dynamic in my heart, you know. It's like whenever I would go on to these short-term mission trips, it, it would be so easy for me to adopt a missionary posture, right? Because uh, you would take some time to prepare. You would study the culture that you're going to visit. You would study their clothing. You would study their food. You would kind of prepare your body uh, for the food that you're going to be eating overseas so that, you know, you wouldn't have diarrhea for a whole week, you know, that kind of thing. Um, like, and if I would go and, and I would be asked to paint a house, for instance, I would make sure that it was done really well to the best of my ability so that I didn't give Jesus a bad reputation uh, among the people I was called to serve in that given week. Also, I would be intentional about praying for people and going out of my way to meet and connect with people on a day-to-day -day basis, because my time there would be short, you know. I, I, I know my time is short, so I'd have to be more, that much more intentional. But it's interesting. After the mission trip's over, whether well, it's two or three weeks, after I returned to the U.S., my mindset would easily shift back to what it was prior. I'd become passive again. I would have this come-and-see mentality. But I guess my challenge to you this morning, brothers and sisters, is why do you think it's okay to assume that life is meant to be different when you're back at home, right? Why? Like if God gives you work to do as a teacher or as a doctor or as an IT professional or as a government contractor, maybe you're an artist, an administrator, a stay-at-home mom, shouldn't you serve God in those positions, giving your best right, for the sake of his glory? And I understand, brothers and sisters, that we all need breaks. We all need time to just kind of get our minds off of everything and just relax. But what is your general posture in life? Right? Have you adopted a missionary mindset? What has personally helped me over the years uh, so that I would stay on mission and not experience mission drift is really reflecting upon verses like the one Pastor Andrew read for us, the second one that he memorized and recited, Acts chapter 20, 24 which again says, I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and my ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Now, I, I shared this with you before, but I've, I've, I've adopted this as one of my, my life verses, right? And some of you know that my parents named, <laughs> named me after the Apostle Paul, so why not? You know, when I was younger, I had really little, little idea what that ought to mean, but as I as I got older, I was thinking, I need to really study this man, study the, study the Apostle Paul and his life vision, and I try to emulate that in some way, you know, and so this has been very meaningful to me. And by the way, the Apostle Paul is not saying that his life is not precious, right? He's saying rather that his life has no real value apart from the God who defines for him what his identity, purpose, and mission is. But knowing who Christ is, 
makes him this single-minded and laser-focused person in wanting to be faithful in the ministry he received, which is to testify the gospel of the grace of God, right? I mean, can you think of any better way to live, honestly? I mean, the truth is that we are all missionaries and evangelists of something, aren't we? Right? We all have a passion for something in life. We want to spread news of something, don't we? Right? I know, but just look at your social media feeds, right? Just look at what, what you like to post. I was sort of uh, <laughs> chuckling early this morning before 8 o'clock service. It was 8, it was 8 o'clock. It was really early, 8 o'clock service. Uh, our, our worship leader was uh, Brother David Park, and um, I was kind of sharing how my hamstrings were very tight because I had a really hard workout this past week, but also I'm on this, like, uh, new way of living. It's called the 16-8 cycle, intermittent fasting cycle. And uh, I, I, was, I was telling him that I, I start, so my, basically that means you, you fast for 16 hours, you, all the food that you take in in a day is within the eight, eight hour window. Okay, that's what I've been doing for the past week. Right? Do, I, do I look better? Do I look healthier? I feel healthier, okay? So I've been doing the 16-8 thing, and uh, as soon as I mentioned something diet-related, David Park perks up. He's like, what? You know, and he, he, he gets all energetic. I'm like, okay, that, that's your thing, I guess. You're very, I see the passion, okay? <laughs> and so I, I sent him sort of what, what I was listening to, and, and we're going to have a conversation later. He's going to probably talk for an hour. I'll just listen. But that's how passionate he is. Not a bad thing, okay? We all have a passion of something. What is your passion? Okay? What are you most energetic about? Like, if you want to really, ha if you don't know who David Kwan is, sorry, David, uh, you know, you know what, if you know him, you know what he's most passionate about, right? What is it? What is it? Philly sports, right? Eagles, right? <laughs> Mainly Eagles, but you, if you want to connect with him, you talk Eagles and then he'll go on how excited he is. It's a mystery. I don't know why, but that, that's who he is. Yeah. Uh, for the Apostle Paul, his passion was the gospel of the grace of God. What about you? What, what is your all-consuming passion? What are you a missionary or evangelist of? You know, whatever your greatest passion is right now, my hope for all of us is that we will become known as a people most passionate, okay? I'm not saying you can't be passionate about dieting or the eagles, but I want to be a people known to be most passionate about testifying to the gospel of the grace of God. Amen? Let me hear your passion. Amen? That better, a lot better. Number three, to be missional means that we are to be an incarnational people. And we can learn what incarnational ministry means as we consider the life of Jesus and also the life and ministry of the apostle Paul. It's like, just as Jesus left his heavenly home to live among those he was called to serve, right? That's incarnation. We are to incarnate ourselves into the lives of those whom we have been called to love and serve through the gospel. The Apostle Paul says this, to the Jews I became as a Jew, and to the Gentiles I became as a Gentile. To the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of 
the gospel, right? You, you see his passion, right? That's his passion. How have we sought to live out this kind of gospel passion, this incarnational life? For me to incarnate myself into the culture of our church, okay, and I, you know, I intentionally use the language of our church, okay? I know some of you, even though you've been here for a few years, you still, you, you still say this church, okay? Why do you speak such, in such distant language, okay? Say our church, it's okay. It's our church, if you remember. If you remember, it's our church, okay? So, but, you know, when I first got here in 2009, everyone was a stranger. I was from a different land, okay? I was from a different state. I came here knowing virtually no one, right? I had to, in some way, incarnate myself into the culture of the church, right? There was, there was one really big thing that went on on a week, weekly basis at KPCW. It was the Sunday evening soccer games, right? The soccer games back then were huge, led by Nathan Chin, uh, who's in the KM side, okay? And uh, now he's too old to play, <laughs> but he's all excited about his son now playing some youth sports. Anyway, um, it was the best way to connect with the KM and also the EM. We had some KM members, EM members, and youth members all playing on the same team. And, and we had like a bunch of church people come out and, and cheer for the team, and so it was a good gathering. And, uh, you know, I, I played some soccer in Korea, but I'm not all that good. Uh, there were definitely more uh, better players than, than me, and so they stuck me at goalie, okay? I was, I was the goalie each week because I was decent with my hands, but that means that I got no cardio. Like, there was really no practical value for me to be part of, other than the fact to, to connect with the church people. Uh, and so, there was, you know, it, it wasn't as enjoyable for me because I was only doing goalie, but there was great value in it. That was one example of me trying to be incarnational where I was, I've been placed. You know, I think about just different scenarios as well. Like, if you're trying to reach youth members, and some of you may be volunteering in the youth ministry, which is a good thing, what do you do? How do you connect, right? How do you connect with a generation that's been sort of like just tuning into TikTok all day or playing video games? Well, you have to figure out a way to enter into their world and, and become to some degree like them, right? So you can have a conversation, right? You know, in today's world, it may mean becoming someone somewhat familiar with the video games that these teenage boys play. Okay, I'm not, please, don't, don't take this in the wrong way. I'm not telling you to all of a sudden become a video game junkie. Please don't, right? If you're, if you're 40 years old and you still play video games, you have, you have issues, okay? <laughs> I, know, I know some of you do. That's fine, okay? In moderation is okay. In moderation, all right? Um, but maybe that's one way you connect, right, with, with our teenagers. That's fine, okay? Uh, maybe some of you are serving in children's ministry, Right? And, and you're having a hard time connecting with these, you know, five-year-olds and six-year-olds and seven-year-olds. Well, Joshua just turned six. He's our youngest, okay? Here's, here's a tip for you. If, if you want to connect with him pretty much instantaneously, all you got to do is kind of talk about your passion for Ninjago or the Wildcrats, okay? If you don't know what those are, study them, right? And they <laughs> kind of know the language that excites these young, you know, boys and girls, um, a few weeks ago, I told you that we're to view the church 
more like an aircraft carrier rather than the love boat. Remember that? Because an aircraft carrier is where people come to be equipped in order that they can be sent out again into the battlefield, and that's largely how we're to function, I believe. Right? Nothing wrong with placing the emphasis there. However, let me qualify that this morning, okay? We also need to learn how to be all things to all people and meet people where they are. We can't just always be talking about being aircraft carriers and being equipped and trained, okay? We have to have some flexibility. For example, sometimes we may meet people who are just wandering through life, utterly lost and confused as to where they're going, right? They don't know where they're going. They need direction. And that's when we as a church need to be more like a lighthouse because a lighthouse is built to guide ships safely to shore. And in the same way, a missional church ought to be able to guide people safely to Jesus Christ, their spiritual home, right? Have some flexibility. And sometimes we may meet people who are broken and wounded because of some past tragedy or trauma, or perhaps a recent hardship has really kind of shaken them up and they're severely damaged in some way, well, that's when we as a church need to become more like a hospital because a hospital, as you know, is a place where people go to receive physical healing. An admissional church is called to be a place where people can find some refuge and receive healing for their spiritual brokenness, you see. We have to be able to function that way too. And sometimes when we meet people, we, we realize that they've never heard, even heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They have no idea. And that's when the church needs to function more like a bridge because a bridge is designed to connect two distinctly separate places, making it possible for people to travel from one to the other. And a missional church, I tell you, it, it ought to be like a bridge that connects those who have been living in the kingdom of darkness with the kingdom of light, connecting them to the kingdom, a better kingdom, a glorious kingdom, a heavenly kingdom. But whatever metaphor we think of, my point is that it, it takes some effort and sacrifice on our part, right, to meet people where they are and to become truly incarnational for them as Jesus was for us. I was reminded of a PhD student when I was living in the Amherst, Massachusetts area, going to the uh, school there. Um, it was a small Korean community in that town, a small town, just, you know, it, it existed because of schools, universities. And, uh, but there's a PhD student, and he was really, he had a big heart for the Lord, he had this very missionary evangelistic zeal, and he wanted to essentially, because of his language uh, limitations, he wanted to reach out mainly to the Korean-speaking crowd. And there were, there were you know, a few of them. There's one Korean grocery store run by an old, grumpy Korean man, okay, who really, really wasn't a good worker, by the way. He kind of barely went, got by, I guess, uh, with his business. But this PC student, he, you know, he knew that this man needed Jesus, and uh, he... He thought of a way to kind of build a connection with him. And so he thought, you know, even though this old grumpy Korean man, he was selling like 
half-rotten vegetables and fruit on a day-to-day basis, he would go and he would pick up just those half-rotten vegetables and fruit. He would purchase them, right? And he would do this on a regular basis. (laughs) And over time, God used that gesture to soften this old Korean grumpy man's heart. And as a result, they were able to have a meaningful relationship. It took some time, of course, but over time, you know, that trust was built, okay? Uh, And uh, hearts were melted, you see. And the man became more receptive to the gospel. That's, That's another example of what it would mean for one to be incarnational. See, being missional involves this kind of personal sacrifice, but we want to make these sacrifices, right, in order to reach as many people as possible with the gospel. So as hard as it may be, I wanted to encourage us this morning to do our best. Let's do our best not to be a people who only spend time with like-minded Christians 24-7. I know that Christian fellowship is so vital for our spiritual health. I'm not saying don't hang out with Christians. I'm saying please continue to hang out with Christians, spend time with them, invest in your small groups. What I'm saying, though, is that if all of your time is spent hanging out with Christians and you don't engage at all with unbelievers, then guess what? You will always feel a bit stagnant in your faith because, again, you are ignoring, you're neglecting the mission and purpose that God has given to you, to share the good news with the lost. I know it's hard, but let me encourage you to find ways you can meaningfully connect with such people, with unbelievers, okay? And you younger singles, that doesn't mean dating unbelievers, okay? Okay? Do not date them. Find ways to reach them, though, okay? Now, one way that I'm going to be interacting with unbelievers this year and if you didn't know, it's actually hard for pastors to engage with unbelievers on a regular basis because, I mean, my work entails constantly interacting with Christians, okay? So unless I'm intentional, I struggle. And I've struggled at times in the past. Uh, but what's helped me, actually, uh, is when I've been involved with the community where I live. And so one way I do that is by plugging myself into the Little League community, uh, there's a need there for dads to step up. There's always a need for coaches. And I realize that coaching sports is a lot like pastoring. Of course, there are many differences, but there's a lot of overlap as well. You know, uh, parents, they, they look to you to assist uh, with taking care of their children, influencing their children in the, in the right way, right? And they want trustworthy men or women to be part of that role. And so I'll be coaching my six-year-old son Joshua's coach pitch team starting this week, right? And I've already sent emails out to the parents, and I feel like, man, I'm nervous. I never, I've always assisted these teams. Assisting is easy because all you do is follow orders, but managing a team for the first time is making me a little nervous, okay? So, uh, but I'm looking forward to it as well because it's going to give me some opportunity to engage with unbelievers and Uh, I'm going to be making it clear that I'm a pastor, so you can come to me and talk about baseball or Jesus, okay? Two things. Jesus first, if you want. Baseball is my second passion, and so these two passions uh, I'd love to share with with others, and so I'm going to send out the invitation, all right? Uh, So, brothers and sisters, as as we move uh, into this new season with warmer months ahead, 
Let's begin to adopt a missionary posture and intentionally incarnate ourselves into the lives of those we're seeking to love and serve right? with the power that Jesus has given to us as he commissions us to go. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, with this message, we conclude our, our vision, mission, core value series. Uh, as we move forward together, may our Vision, mission, and core values not only be clearly understood, but fully embraced and lived out by your people. We boldly declare our desire to be a Christ-centered, confessional, kingdom-first, disciple-making, community-fostering, intergenerational, and missional church. Help us, Lord, to remain faithful and to be a spiritually vibrant community that loves and exalts Christ through it all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.